Hello, and this is Films for the Very First Time. Just wanting to intro the episode here as you're about to hear some very bad singing for about 15 to 20 seconds for our theme song, which is a parody of Feels Like the First Time by Foreigner. So uh, if you don't want to hear bad singing, just skip the 30 seconds button uh, and you'll be introduced to the episode proper. If you're open to hearing my terrible singing, uh, just keep listening. Films for the first time. Films for the very first time. Films for the first time. Films for the very first time. Hello, this is Films for the Very First Time with Casey and Jordan. My name is Jordan, and with me, as always, is Casey McGeorge. Hey, you guys. <laughs> oh, something How different. How is it going, everybody? Something different. Um, I, I couldn't good. help myself with that one. Yeah, it's it's going good. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, this is our third, uh, third episode here. The first time that we've had somebody pick... A second time and this was casey's pick and casey what are we watching or what are we, we are, reacting to watching we are you were watching for the very first time the classic from 1985 the goonies yeah uh never had watched it um that surprises me like this seemed like it would be a movie that would have been right up your alley Maybe it's the age difference, and I, I I get that that might have a little to do with it. We'll talk about that in a little bit, I guess. But mm-hmm. I figured like this would have been on this would have been one of your kind of movies. It was funny. I was just hanging out with my friend before this, and uh, I told him about our show and you know what I was watching uh, this time, and uh, he said he had just watched it for the first time like last year as well. So, uh, pretty wow. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he was born a year after me. He's also, for the first time, like last year or two years ago, watched Lord of the Rings. Uh, so he, right now, what brought it up was that he's re-watching it, uh, Lord of the Rings. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be like my buddy's never seen it before. And then I was like, and we're doing a podcast about this type of stuff. And I said, I'm watching The Goonies right now. Oh, fun fact. He just watched Pulp Fiction not that long ago. He did not like it either. So... Like, like I said, Tarantino's an acquired taste. Not, <laughs> Not to spoil 20, the Pulp Fiction episode. <laughs> Twenty or thirty years from now, there's gonna be there's gonna be people and kids who haven't seen the Infinity Saga, or who yeah. are watching like <laughs> who are watching the original Iron Man or watching Endgame and everything for the very first time. Like, and it's True. like they're, you know, they they're it's gonna be way different for them because they can. They can do like I did last year, a couple of years ago, and and do the whole thing like in a couple sittings or whatever, and like binge through it, as compared to having to wait like this twelve years for this whole saga to go through, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the Goonies to set us up here. All righty. So the Goonies was released on June seventh, nineteen eighty five. It is directed by Chris Columbus, who did the first two Harry Potter movies. He also directed Rent and the Percy Jackson series. Gremlins, too. Written by Steven Spielberg, who did the story. I don't think I need to explain who Steven Spielberg is. If I do, 
Uh, I'm not really sure what you're doing listening to this podcast. Uh, you might yeah, and if people do wonder what story back. means, it's like he probably came up with the idea of having these kids looking for the pirate thing, and then say, you know, Chris uh, writes this actual script is is what that means. And Richard Donner, who was involved with Superman Two, the Lethal Weapon series, original uh, Superman as well, 1978. One of my all-time favorite uh, Christmas movies, Scrooged. He wrote the screenplay. Uh, it is starring uh, Sean Astin, Corey Feldman. I want to I want to make sure I get his name right. Kiwi Kwan, mm-hmm. who recently won the Best Supporting Actor for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and uh, Jeff Cohen, who plays Chunk, who is now an agent and entertainment lawyer, who got a shout out during Kiwi Kwan's uh, mm. speech at the Academy Awards. Calling him his Goonie brother for life. Um, it also stars a very young Josh Brolin in yeah. one of his very first roles, possibly his first. Uh, so we get to see the we, we get to see the the origin story of Thanos. See, after this, <laughs> the, he 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 grew a little bit and became the Mad Titan, and then went on to take away half the world. Yeah. It, uh, let's see. Had a budget of nineteen million dollars and it grossed That's a hundred. This is also in nineteen eighty five. I know right? uh, a budget of nineteen million dollars, which uh, a movie like this, you're not making for anything under like a hundred million today, probably. If not, more. oh, and most um, movies today, like uh, what? Even the Jennifer Lawrence comedy that just came out was like forty five million. But I mean, with everything like with with everything that's involved in this, with like yeah. the pirate ship and the adventure they go on, um, and it grossed a hundred twenty five million worldwide. Then became uh, eventually became a cult classic. Uh, real quick, one quick note: in two thousand seventeen, it was selected to be included in the National Film Registry for being. Culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Uh, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Yeah, so we had, uh, yeah, this this thing came out 85. So where were you when this came out originally? Uh, like I said, for Airplane, not even a thought in my parents' mind at this point. They were they were in high school in 85. So I, I was... I keep forgetting how young you are, man. Wow. <laughs> 32. Not, not too young, but... Um, yeah, so I was born in 91. Uh, but, you know, again, it doesn't really affect much in the sense of, like, I want to reiterate, like, Back to the Future is my favorite film, and that's the same year, right? But that also had significance to my family. That was, like, one of their first dates together was was Back to the Future. And so they, they loved those movies. They had them on VHS. I grew up watching them as a kid. I don't think we ever had the Goonies on VHS. So, again, it wasn't kind of like Pulp Fiction in the sense of, it was never like in the house. And I don't think my parents were like as big on it. I I don't know what their thoughts are on it actually, but I don't think it was ever like big enough for them to either own or watch a lot. If we did own it, they probably didn't watch it that much. And I never really caught wind of it. You know, like I, I did. And here's the thing too. Like I know my cousin, grew up with this movie and that's my mom's brother right so i do think that there was some like so i assume my mom has seen it i just don't know like 
I'll have to ask them their thoughts on it at some point. But yeah, I, I think I can see the VHS case too. But I just don't know if we had it or if that was at like my cousin's house. It it could have been a, it could have been like a blockbuster rental too. Yeah, you, yeah. I'm sure you might have. I'm sure you might have seen it on the shelf at Blockbuster once it was released there. Um, and I had never until recently. I had no clue what it was even about. Like I knew it was about kids, but I had no idea it was about a pirate thing until like a couple of years ago. <laughs> honestly, so 1987 or 1985, rather, or seven years old. Um, very young me was a huge wrestling fan, and uh. So in the movie, Cindy Lauper, there's a video that goes along with the movie called Goonies Are Good Enough. It's actually just titled Good Enough, but uh, the record label Warner Brothers and everything got involved and wanted the name in there, blah, blah, blah. Um, it is the most, the acting in the in the video is, is totally horrendous. Let's, let's not act like it's not, right? It is, but it, it is, uh, this is in the middle of what was called the rock and wrestling era. Where Vince McMahon teamed up with Cindy Lauper. Uh, this was around the time of WrestleMania One. Um, uh, WrestleMania One, where uh, it was the inaugural one. Yeah, that happened early this year, March thirty first of nineteen eighty five. Uh, Cindy Lauper was was heavily involved in that, um, along with a wrestler called Wendy Richter. She plays in the music video uh she works with cindy lopper in the video there's captain lou albano there's the iron sheik there's classy freddie blassie there's the fabulous moolah there's nikolai volkoff there's rowdy rowdy piper and there's an appearance by andre the giant and i just before i, I watch these movies sunday morning before we do our recordings so i have the disc i put the uh, hd blu-ray in or the the, uh, the the yeah the good one. Unfortunately, that doesn't have like the deleted scenes or audio commentary. Really, um, I, I'm noticing that a lot with a lot of the. So you, a lot of them come with two discs in there: the Blu-ray and then the high definition or the HD with HDR and everything. Blu-ray, those don't have anything on. Maybe because the movie's so high quality, takes up so much space. I think also they just know that. They're not like, I feel like special features are not as big nowadays too. But they're still on, it's still on the Blu-ray and it's still yeah, on the yeah. old DVD I have. So I uh, I watched the music video. I had to put the, I had to take that out when the movie was over, put the H the, or the regular Blu-ray in so I could watch the video. And then I got sad because with the exception of Wendy Richter, all of those wrestlers have passed away. Wow. And they're all gone with. The Iron Sheik just passing away a couple months. Ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, she was uh, when uh, Cindy Lauper was heavily tied in with the WWE at the time, which helped then the WWF become even more massively popular than it was. They were all over MTV and everything, um, and the actors from the Goonies were in the music video. It also had a little unknown group called the Bangles, who played like female pirates in the music video. Wow. Um, yeah, so there's like when you start when as you go down rabbit holes with a lot of these movies and you start looking up these things, you find out some really really weird facts about it. Yeah. Um I don't 
I can't remember. I might have seen this in the theater because at the time being seven years old, uh, back then in the 80s, uh, when summertime hit, parents were pretty eager to get their kids out of the house and get Mm -hmm. away from them for the whole summer so they could do adult things while you were gone. Who knows what it was? So, like, they would send you to go, like, with grandmothers or grandfathers and aunts and uncles or other people who had kids for the summer. Or you would go out to summer camps or these daytime summer camps and, you know, in in these places. And, and one of the things I remember doing was I remember seeing the Princess Bride through one of these, like, daytime summer camps. Where they, they basically, they would go on, like, a Tuesday or Wednesday because um, they're taking a gaggle of, like, 50 kids. Yeah, yeah. So they, they would get like a matinee price, right? They'd probably rent out the theater. Nobody's really in 1985 is going to see a movie on a Tuesday afternoon at a theater, right? So the theater probably rented out to them for a decent price. They just got to buy the, 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 uh, popcorn and, and all the other stuff, right? And then you can get these, the counselors get to get out of the heat and away from bugs and everything for a couple hours. And kids get to go see a movie that they want to see. So I remember seeing The Princess Bride that way. I might have seen The Goonies that way. I definitely remember it being rented and seeing it from uh, on VHS or possibly even Betamax, if that was still around at the time. Um, and I remember seeing wow. like watching it on HBO and stuff. Um, so yeah, this is as a kid of the '80s. This was this is definitely part of my childhood. Yeah. Uh, so let me see. What else do I have listed here? Um, yeah, yeah. I guess we dive right into the film discussion then. Um, so it takes movie, place in Astoria, Oregon. Yes. Yep. And uh, they apparently are called the Goonies because in it's the Goon Docks area of Astoria, Oregon. Yes where they're going to be expanding a country club. Um, but yeah, so they're foreclosing on all the homes. But as that's going on, it opens up actually with a pretty pretty dark scene in the prison where uh, the Fratellis yeah. are escaping, and he act, he's acting like he hung himself and uh, beats up the cop and gets out of there. The Fratellis are very loosely based on Ma Barker and the Barker Boys. Oh, okay. You might be asking, who are Ma Barker, Ma Barker and the Barker Boys? If you remember DuckTales, yep. uh, the Beagle Boys are also very loosely based on Ma Barker and the Barker Boys. Um, she was is a group of, of convicts and, and various things from the early 20th century. Um, the mother was the leader of the gang and she had several children. They were all in a life of crime and all had some horrible ends, but they are very loosely based on factual peoples. That is interesting. I did not know that. Um, yeah, so it kind of starts off with uh, this chase. And I will say here, uh, the music by Dave Grusin. Um, I really like the score here. This is kind of like theme song as the chase is going on. It was kind of catchy. I, I, I have to say, I think this is another one. The score throughout the movie fits it really well. Mm-hmm. Now, I will admit, as I talk about a lot of this throughout throughout. Um, a lot of it could be nostalgia play for me, right? Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I remember this for, this is, this is one of my all time favorite movies. Spoiler alert for later in the, in the, in the podcast, <laughs> right? 
Obviously, I, I'm pretty sure everybody would be able to tell I like the movie. I, I did pick it. If you're watching um, the YouTube, he's got his Goonies shirt on too. Yes, I, <laughs> I, I wore this. I get, I will get comments when I wear this out every now and then. Um, I've got like Rocky Road chants or oh nice or Baby Ruth or various other things. And even one time walking down the street, someone from across the street or saw it just yelled out what I said in the beginning of the podcast. Hey, you guys. <laughs> and it makes me laugh. Um, so, so as I say, like, um, I, I might, I, I enjoyed the score and I thought it fit the movie very well. It could be it's a product of the eighties and it was part of that time, or it could just be the fact that it was something that I, I just have so much nostalgia for. Like I can't turn away from. Yeah, so it, it starts out with this chase, and uh, what we'll kind of learn is really the only one to see this chase is Chunk, and uh, nobody believes him because he apparently is the boy who cries wolf. He's uh, been telling some tall tales throughout his time. Even when he calls the cops later, we get a nice reference to the Gremlins. Uh, yes, I'll, okay, that which was, was one a of Columbus movie. Yeah. You know, Spielberg, where, another Spielberg one there, too. Yeah. yeah. Where they say, like, oh, this is like the time you called in about those little creatures or something. Who multiply when you get them wet. Yes. Yep. yep. And I think there was a there was a gremlin somewhere in the... I saw it somewhere. Uh, there was a gremlin that was on... Uh, blah, 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 blah. Action figure that's seen in Mikey's room. But that oh, room was... That room was an entire uh, horrible pigsty, so I'm not sure how anybody recognized. Yeah, how long ago was Gremlins? Just the year before, huh? Um, Pretty interesting. But this is where we meet a lot of our main characters. Uh, this is where you meet Data. Uh, mm-hmm. Kwan, uh, let me say this right. Kiwi Kwan's character, who uh, is into inventing gadgets and various things. Yep. Um, which none of them ever turn out right, but it's so hilarious. It's so great. Uh, this is where we meet Mikey. Um, this is where we meet Chunk, who, who like you said, is in the Telling Tall Tales, who smashes his pizza and his milkshake against the window as he's watching the car yeah. chase. Man, that, as, as someone who enjoys a good pizza and a good milkshake, that kind of that kind of made me tear up a little bit there. Um. But the Fratellis eventually get away. There's a shootout. Uh, they eventually get away. And old Ma Fratelli there has a great idea. She, Which I don't know why she has her son throw the truck in four-wheel drive. Like, the shifter's literally right next to her. Right, right. <laughs> um, but uh, they, they end up in the middle of a four-wheel drive race on the beach so they can get away. Um, have you... Do you go on YouTube a lot? Uh, occasionally. Have you ever heard of CinemaSins? I've heard of them. Never actually watched any of their stuff. It's it's a pretty good YouTube series. Their tag is no movies without sin. Right? So they will go through a movie and they, they give sins out. So, like, you know, the fact that there might be reading, like, you might have to read something in the beginning of the movie, like, in the beginning of time, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, reading and, and various things. Or stuff... And they'll they'll hit things if it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. They did one on the Goonies, which kind of upset me because to me this movie should be without sin. But mm-hmm. but there's another one, and it was like, why did Ma why did Ma Fratelli have her son shift the vehicle into four wheel drive when all she had to do was reach her hand right over it? And it assigns a sin to that. 
and it goes through the movie and it's anywhere from like 10 to 15 20 25 minutes mm-hmm. depending on how many sins it is um and it's a pretty good series they've done some for tv shows and like music videos and commercials and things um pretty good it's a pretty good series um and they just they 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 put movies they put little things together um so yeah this was this was one of their probably i think they're more popular ones that was on there a while back interesting um okay so i have a question here okay. uh cory feldman's character mouth how does he get into he knocks on the door right of the family home Oh, I know but where you're going with this. There's one. the gate that's closed that they have to do the thing to open it. So how does he the, get in there? The Rue Goldberg device there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think he just opened it up and just yeah. walked in, right? That or jumped over. Because I think or the, I think the latch is right there. You can just like reach your uh. hand over on the latch. like But yeah, okay. So Chunk shows up and He's like he begging to, to be let in. in. That's why I was thinking, like, yeah. how did how did Mouth get in? So first of all, they make him do the truffle shuffle, which is a little giggle worthy, but body shaming a young kid is not funny. This right? is something like, I it, have heard about. Was this yeah. this thing the truffle shuffle? Things I was aware of. Yeah, yeah. It 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 it, it it's a little giggle worthy, um, but once again, body shaming anybody in general is not cool, especially body shaming a child. Like it's not not cool. Um, By the way, the guy who plays Chunk now is like lost all the weight. Like if you look, yeah, that up, that's he looks really. Uh, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah, the guy yeah. who is 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 the entertainment lawyer, and he drew up everything and got. Uh, you can see it in his face, like that it's him, but like he looks totally different. Yeah. Um. So there's this horrible Rube Goldberg device where it's like he has to pull. Uh, they pull a string. Sean Astin's character pulls a string. Has a bowling ball go down a thing, and it's some. It, uh, there's a balloon that inflates at some point. It scares a chicken, which lays an egg. Yeah. So what happens if it doesn't sprinkler. scare the chicken enough to lay the egg? It just nothing happens. I don't it. know. And <laughs> the thing is, like that was also one of the things in Cinema Sins. Like, wouldn't it have just been quicker for him to walk out the door and go open the gate? Because I think later when the guys come to drop off the paperwork, either all of that stuff is gone. Hmm. Uh, like I can't remember, but when the, when the when the people from the foreclosure company come to drop off the paperwork for their dad, either everything is gone, or uh, oh Thanos there just walks down to the gate and picks it yeah, up. I think that's what he did. It's, he does, but say, like instead of just like doing all that to set it up, I will say though, like I would push back on cinema skins, uh, cinema skin, cinema sins on that because. I think it does set up the booby traps in the cave later, and it, it, how he knows that it's going to lead to something and all that. So it, it does. It it, yeah. it 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 does go along with the movie, but like also there's the aspect of okay, once you do that, now you have to set everything back up. Back up, up. yeah, yeah. Um, so they go in there. They're they're you know, I don't even know how old. It's okay, so Josh Brolin's character, he just failed his driving test, so that gives him sixteen. I know in some of these places you can be like 15 and a half with a driver's license, but I'm going to say between 16 and 17. Yeah. I was thinking um, these kids are maybe like 12 and 13. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, Cause they teenage, mentioned like, like eighth grade, seventh grade. They mentioned like those types of in there. Yeah. So they're, they're right at the cusp of like teenagerdom. Um, so they're, you know, and they're talking about how the next day everything's going to be foreclosed on. 
and you know they're gonna they're gonna figure out what's uh, they gotta figure out what to do. Um, Data's Data's family's supposed to be moving to Detroit, which Mouth brings up at the time had the highest murder rate in the country. Yeah, way way to go, way to make him feel good about where he's moving to. Um, yeah, <laughs> their mom shows up with a lovely young or a lovely woman who doesn't speak any English. Uh, it's one of those things you probably would not go along today. But that's okay. Uh, this was once again 1980s, product of its time. Uh, so mouth translates and does a horrible translation job. Yeah, well, he sabotages on purpose. Here. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I mean by horrible. Yeah, Not yeah. that his his Spanish was okay, but it, it was the fact of he tell like everything he tells her like as the mom is like these are where the cleaning supplies are. That's what I was wondering when it sets it up. I was like, is he going to, is he just saying that to impress the mom and he doesn't actually know it? Or will he be translating things wrong? Will he be needing Spanish later in the movie? Yeah. Uh, Another fun fact I saw the lady who played the lady who's going to help him pack. um, Obviously did know English, but she helped do the translation for Corey Feldman. And do it phonetically so that he could say those things. Oh, nice! In the movie, um, so yeah, it was uh, very, very well done. So they go through, tells her about oh, if she does a bad job. They're gonna lock her up in a closet with cockroaches and various other things, and she's scared. Um, so the mom goes away because she's got other things to do. Plus, she needs help packing because she has a cast on her arm. Um. They little foreshadowing there. They get to the attic, and mom says, "Don't go in there." Blah blah blah. She's full of junk. So, what's the first thing that happens when you tell a bunch of teenage kids um, not to go in some place, and then you leave? You go in the attic. While they're up there, they oh, before that, we find out Chunk is very clumsy as well. Yeah, I um, like when he want when uh. When uh, Mikey wants to break open the thing and he just yeah. hands it to him and he starts counting down, he's like, one, two. So bef- yeah. Before that, he knocks over a statue of David and uh, he, he catches it, but then he puts it back and it falls. And a special part of the statue falls off and then they have to figure out how to put it back. Doesn't Mikey say it's his mom's favorite part of the statue? Yeah, he says it's his mom's favorite part. <laughs> Corey felt uh, mouth is like, of course it is. If it wasn't, you wouldn't be here. And gives like a little Groucho Marx yes, uh, yeah. little wiggle. So while they're up there, they're looking around. There's like a bunch of pirate stuff up there. I don't know if his dad like was just a collector working in a museum or something. I think he works at uh, the Historical Society. Because when they say hi to him, I thought that's what the building said. So it, I think that's how be. he has this stuff. Uh, So they have like pirate Stuff that somehow fits uh, Mike, not Mikey, somehow fits Chunk. I don't know why, but there's like a little pirate jacket that fits him, which is kind of weird to have, unless we have small people pirates or little people pirates. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, they they're, they're exploring. Weird weird thing. Uh, they open up the attic, and there's a light bulb that's just kind of like turning on and off on its own. So has that thing just been kind of like? sitting there going on and off for years since who knows I, when the last time they were in the yeah. attic was i guess what well, i think what uh josh brolin's character does too is he just kind of like re-screws it. it in better yeah. and it yeah it stays on there is a light bulb that has been going 
that has been lit since the early 1900s that is still working somewhere out there. Um, but yeah, this one, I don't know. Uh, there's a bunch of weird sign stuff up there. There's those balls with lightning that go to the edge of it and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, they find a pirate treasure map. Like you said, he gives it to Chunk. He counts down to five. Chunk drops it, falls open. They pull the map out. That's where we get the story of the pirate, One-Eyed Wolf, who apparently has a treasure. Then he gets chased by the British and this whole armada. Takes his pirate crew into these set of caves. Uh, They blow the cave up. Willie's trapped in there. So they start digging and everything, blah, blah, blah. They set a bunch of booby traps. And that's where the cave and the treasure is. Chunk has probably probably the greatest line in the movie. Wait a minute. If he did all that, how did the map and how did the story get out? <laughs> I asked my dad the same thing. Uh, come to find out, it's probably just like a bedtime tale, right? Um, one of those little stories people tell their kids and various things we're on the coast of oregon so there's probably like a lot of historical stuff you know go along with that um eventually uh mikey decides oh man if we can find the treasure we can save the neighborhood and we don't have to we the houses don't get foreclosed on we don't have to um they find another frame that has the story Along with the headline of FDR and the New Deal. So it tells you when it was from the 1930s, I think. 40s, yeah, that Chester, uh, Chester uh, Copperpot, Copperpot was. Uh, who says he yeah, found. Missing. Yeah, he found the. He had the secret and he went looking for the treasure and he hasn't been seen since. Uh, so they get together. The, the young kids decide they're going to go find it. Um. Mikey does some translations on the map, kind of gives him a general just of where to go. They tie up uh, Josh Brolin's character, which is probably where the origin story Thanos comes into play. They, he's got one of those. <laughs> Looks like it hurt things. too. Yeah, yeah. He's got one of those spring things that you would pull apart because this is the 1980s, and people wear sweatpants and shorts over their sweatpants and headbands when they're working out and things. Um. We end up, the kids end up going off. Eventually, mom comes back. She's mad because Mikey has asthma. He's one of those kids that gets sick all the time, and his mom's scared to death he's going to die out there. Plus, yeah, tells the him not of, to go outside. It's the coast of Oregon, and it's raining, so, you know. Uh, he sends him after. He, sa- he sends a big brother after him. Uh, eventually, we meet up with the two ladies from the film, um, which gotta admit um this this could have been the very start of uh my fascination with redheads uh with <laughs> carrie green i don't know but this might be about the time that might have came into my mind she's a very attractive young lady at the time um eventually they end up in some weird decrepit summer restaurant that's like out of commission Looks like it hasn't been in commission in like fifty years. Yeah, but it's just a summer place, right? <laughs> is that what they said. Yeah, that's where the Fratellis are hiding out. They hear gunshots, but that's where the map and this little device that they have is telling them to go. 
So they get into the house or they get into the restaurant. Uh, eventually, you know, the Vitellis come out because they probably just killed somebody back there. They scare the kids away, but they drive off. The kids go back inside. Uh, they have to get to the lowest point so they can start exploring caves. Um, eventually, they do. Yeah, they go through the fireplace. And they leave Chunk in the freezer, by the way. And they're just like... And then even when he does get out of there, they're like, go call the police. And I'm like, why are you sending one guy, one kid, to go call the cops? Just bring him along with you. And in all fairness, why are you, why are you sending the chubbiest kid? You know he doesn't move very fast. Like, come on. <laughs> right, right. And and listen, look, his sense of smell is impeccable. Like, he smelled pizza and pepperoni pizza. He smelled ice cream in a freezer that's sealed up and it's like a bunch of ben and jerry's and that's how they find the dead body yeah the brother tracks how did the brother track him down he didn't know where they were going i don't know and also he was riding uh data's sister's uh, bike yeah and that man this was so 80s when the guy is such a jerk bully that he like grabs onto him and just drives him off the cliff I was like, wow, they're really uh, going for it here. Yeah, attempted murder. Yeah, way to go, guy. But he's rich. His dad, you know, they belong to the country club, so his dad's got money, so nothing would have happened to him. Um, so eventually, but the Fratellis come back, so they had the only way out through, through the caves, right? So they go down through the fireplace. Uh, they go down there. Eventually, they go through some booby traps. Uh, they, they go, there's, there's some wacky adventures down. Now, here's my thought. After I've seen this movie so many times, too many times to count, how has this never been turned into a ride or attraction at, like, either Disney or Universal Studios or something? Yeah, who produced this? Warner Brothers? That's probably why. But um, At any theme park. How has this yeah, not I mean, been an attraction somewhere? Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised, actually, that there's no sequel. Um, we, we, we will have a discussion about that here shortly yeah yeah that's coming up um but but think about like going through even if it's just one of those crappy roller co- not crappy but one of those roller coaster ones where mm-hmm. you're, you're on the roller coaster and you go through the thing and then eventually there's water because they go down this water slide you end up at a pirate ship and then you end up you know you have to get off the pirate. like this this could have been an attraction how has nobody made this an attraction man like come on this hurts this hurts me to my soul um, let's see, they, they, they find a printing press with some counterfeit $50 bills. Yeah. Which they, they think is real. Um, they end up finding Chester Copperpot, or Chester Copperpot. Mm-hmm. I want with to say Joe Cobble- DiMaggio I, card in Lou the Gehrig. wallet. Lou Gehrig. Oh, Lou Gehrig. That's right. I want to say Cobblepot, but that's, that's the penguin. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Who he a, a boulder apparently fell on him, so he didn't make it through one of the booby traps. Right? Unfortunately. Yeah. Um but lucky for him he had his wallet and his ID on him, the Lou Gehrig baseball card. He's got a bunch of candles with him. Like how lucky is that? Candles and dynamite, yeah. <laughs> uh they go through uh there's they end up, uh, Mikey has his first kiss. Um, yeah. Because, uh, 
she mistakes older, uh yeah she mistakes and for his older brother um which uh, i thought it was funny in there when he was like this is the little boys room that's the little girls room where are you going oh this is the men's room what do the other <laughs> two do oh yeah we're going to men's room dude just go pee against the wall like come on right right uh so they end up they end up uh dad almost falls to his death at one point but that's how they end up in another part of the caves See, that's when one of his things does work. Yes. The teeth, chattering teeth thing. Which which come back later. It worked later as well. They did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, what else do we have? They end up running for the Fratellis. End up uh, chasing after them. Um, meanwhile, what we don't know is Chunk is left in... He, he's left in the freezer. He manages to get out, right? He makes it out the door, and he goes to a car, and what happens, he's trying to tell the guy what's going on. He's talking trash about the Fratellis, and what is what happens? He's caught by one of Fratelli. which, how could he not see him through the window? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, that was another thing in Cinema Sins. Like, wait, so he couldn't recognize the guy until he turned the light on? Like, so he gets taken back, and they want to know what's going on. Uh, Fratelli's end up chasing after the kids. He gets tied up and locked in a closet with a physically and mentally deformed individual, which is one of Fratelli's brothers, mm-hmm. uh, named Sloth. Man, there's so many things that probably wouldn't work if we did this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sloth is basically tied up to a chair watching old movies because back in the 80s all you could watch was movies from like the 50s and 60s a lot mm-hmm. on tv in black and white so especially because like... they didn't have vhs uh, until more mid 80s like i think right after this or right around this time so yeah. you know people would only watch what was on cable or you know that was it <laughs> kung fu movies on channel nine when i was a kid um but uh him and him and Chunk become great friends, and they end up chasing after the Fratellis and the other kids. Uh, they end up the kids end up coming to a piano made out of bones. Which, yes, I, I like this scene. This was a uh, I, something I did not see coming. Oh here. yeah, you didn't know about this before? No, and I thought it was funny because in these eighties movies, it's always this way, right? Where like. Oh yeah, I took piano lessons as a kid. Let me jump on there and do do this. You know, like each person usually has some sort of skill that propels them further yeah. into the the thing. Ch- uh, Mike, uh, mouth with his speaking Spanish, so he can yes. translate the map. Data with uh, his tools, right? With his inventions, inventions, yeah. Um. So before that, how did they ma- How did the pirates manage to make all this stuff? And how many years did it take them to do all this? Yeah, that is uh that well, I guess they went until Well, yeah, I mean, did they have food with them when they got lost? That you know, cuz otherwise they had all of this time to do it before they die from lack of food. <laughs> digging. So you got all the digging, moving of boulders, setting up booby traps. Yeah, yeah. You got to have rope and twine and and stuff to make blades. Then I guess as the other people died, you can use their bones to do the bone thing. But where the hell they get the stuff to make an organ from? True, true. Um, and then they gotta set the organ up so if you play the wrong notes, like 
the walls behind you or the floor behind you collapses. Like, this is some genius level stuff going on here. Uh, yeah. And Mikey with the great... Mikey is going to have the greatest dad jokes when he gets older because he has the best one here. So basically, they're at the piano. Uh, like I said, if you play the right notes, there's a drawbridge that eventually will come down. Uh, and it says on the on the map, play the wrong note too many times and everyone, you, uh, you'll be dead. So she plays the wrong note a couple times. Uh, the stones around them all crumble, so they have no way out. Um, and it comes down to the last set of notes she has to play. And she can't figure out if it's A sharp or B flat. And here's old Mikey. Don't worry. If you play the wrong note, we'll all be flat. <laughs> yeah, that's Go- a good one. That, that that that's a dad that's a dad joke hall of famer right there uh probably inappropriate at the time but it was still picture perfect um they go through there's this massive water slide with running water that's coming from who knows where they end up in this big other set of caves and they find one-eyed willy shit mm-hmm. uh, we'll get to some other stuff that kind of happened in there in a minute but they find they found the ship one-eyed Willie's pirate ship is real. It exists. They get on the ship and they're exploring. They find obviously dead bodies, and there's a pirate with two knives or two daggers stuck in his eyes. Um, Mikey ends up busting through the floor and finds Willie's cabin. Um, he has a, a little conversation with Willie. Um, basically tells him he beat him. Uh, he knew Willie was waiting for him. So they start loading up everything they can get because there's just treasure all around. There's gold doubloons and rubies and pearls and diamonds and necklaces and who knows what. They're putting it everywhere. And Mikey comes up with a plan because the Fratellis are still chasing. Hey, take some jewels, lead it into one cave, and we'll go in the other cave. When they go in that cave, then we can make a run for it. But the Fratellis were there and heard them. And so now they. They're there, and they tie the kids up, and Dada tries some of his inventions again. Uh, his chattering teeth end up biting uh, one of the Fratelli brothers in the testicles, which <laughs> looked like it hurt. Joey Pants, who plays uh, Joey Pantalone, who plays yes, uh, one of the Fratelli yep. brothers. Uh, and so eventually they get tied up, and they make them walk the plank. Now, here's another thought. When uh, Josh Brolin's character ends up running to go save Andy, right? The young girl who had to go walk the plank. Yeah. And he pushes, he has to walk by Ma Fratelli, right? Who's facing away from him. And he just pushes her to the side to go jump in the water. Why did he not push Ma Fratelli into the water? <laughs> She's like yeah. 80 years old. I'm pretty sure she doesn't have great... Uh, center of gravity and she doesn't have a lot of balance if he would have pushed her over she would have been she probably would have drowned half of this wouldn't have had to happen um one of the greatest parts of the movie happens uh old sloth and chunk catch up which everybody catches up pretty quick in this movie maybe because they they didn't have to worry about maybe because they didn't have to worry about all the booby traps true uh, true he, he, he yells out the great quote, hey, you guys, and does his Errol Flynn impersonation and grabs a knife and goes down one of the sails and 
Mm-hmm. Frees the kids and they get away. Eventually they end up making it out. He, he beats up his brothers because, uh, oh, one of the things he, do you see the Superman shot out in there? Yes. Yep. So I was going to point this out too. He rips off his shirt. Sloth does. He has a Superman shirt underneath and they, they start play playing the, the theme. Superman theme. Yes. And yes, that's Richard Donner filmed uh Superman one and he did number two as well. But, uh, yeah, one of his so nice brothers, shout out. And one of his brothers knew it too. He's like, Oh, we're in deep trouble now. Yep. <laughs> um, he beats his brothers up. He doesn't like his mom because she starts singing Rockabye Baby. And I guess she dropped him a lot as a kid, and that's how he ended up deformed. And that brings back traumatic memories for him. Uh, so the kids make it out. Uh, they realize that their candles are dynamite when they're trying to make it out. They blow a, a hole in the rocks, but starts collapsing. Sloth saves the day because he's immensely strong, as all mentally and physically handicapped people are in these movies. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, him and Sloth have a little bromance moment. They love each other. The kids have been on the beach. Cops find them. They start telling stories. They find the Fratellis. They arrest the Fratellis. Uh, our evil duo uh, who need the paper signed for the foreclosure come up. Dad's about to sign the paper. The housekeeper who speaks Spanish shows back up. And as she's going through the kid's stuff, finds a bag full of jewels. And apparently that's enough for him to rip up the papers and say he's not ever selling his land. Which that's not how foreclosure works, dude. There's still like processes and court things. And like, <laughs> if it was supposed to happen the next day, just because you have a bag full of jewels doesn't mean like your land's not going to get foreclosed on. Like, it still is. Um, movie ends they see the pirate ship off in the distance sailing away before we get to before we get to some other stuff what's up with Chunk just telling Sloth he can come live with him yeah didn't talk to his parents at all he's like you're gonna live with me now Sloth yeah I'm, I'm gonna take care of you first of all he's a human being he's not a pet right yeah yeah two hey man like your parents gotta pay for this stuff like, not only is it just another mouth to feed, and this dude looks like he can put the food away, mm-hmm. but now you got to figure out the physical and, and mental and, and rehabilitative help you're going to have to give this guy to reintroduce him into society and medical help. Like, dude, no, man. Like, I know you like this guy, but hey, man, you guys visit each other some, but you can't just tell me come live with us. Like, bro, what's going on here? Yeah, right after the credits roll, his parents are like, whoa, we did not agree to this. <laughs> we, we need to have a talk, young man. So one of the things, uh, the media shows up at some point during the end of this, and they're talking mm-hmm. to him. And do you remember Dad talking about an octopus? They made a comment about an octopus? Uh, vaguely. So one of the deleted scenes, there was a giant octopus when they first ended up where the pirate ship was. Oh, really? That attacked them, and then they had to, like, fight off. Wow. Um, no, I didn't see that. It, well, it's it's one of the deleted scenes. So no, like, but I mean, like, I didn't yeah. see, like, oh, you know what? Now I think I see on the wiki about it. But at first I didn't see that. Um, Let's see. What other notes do we have? So Sean Astin, they let him keep the treasure map used in the film, right? Mm-hmm. 
Cool. That's a great prop to have. His mother's Patty Duke. Yep. So many years later, she finds it. Thought it was just a random wrinkled piece of paper. Threw it away. No, that's awful. The pirate ship was real. They made a real pirate ship. Oh, yeah, it looked like a real thing. Uh, You know what? That's probably cheaper than what they would do to CG it now anyway. (laughs) They they filmed everything on the ship that they needed. After the film, it was offered to anyone who would take it. No one wanted it, so they had to scrap it. Uh, The five-month production, they mostly shot it in sequence. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you don't really see that a lot. Um. So the cast did not get to see the pirate ship before they shot the scene and first saw the pirate ship in the movie. Wow, that's cool. Um, Richard Donner wanted genuine reactions to the size and scope. Uh, when he did see it, Josh Brolin was so surprised he exclaimed, "Holy shit!" And they had to reshoot the scene because of that. That's uh, funny. There's some swearing in this movie. Yeah, there's tons of shits in this movie. I'm surprised they wouldn't just keep that then. <laughs> All right, but here's the thing about it. It was deliberate, strategically placed, so it can be easily drowned out by broadcasters who wanted to remove it. So if you ever watch the movie again, there's a lot of background noise or other stuff going on when people do swear or running water or something. Mm-hmm. So that way, whoever's broadcasting the movie, like if they're broadcasting it on like TBS or regular TV, they can just fiddle with the sound mix for a little bit and a couple seconds of footage and you're not really cutting anything out, but you can drown out the profanity. That's interesting. Yeah, because some, some shows, some movies will have like dubbed lines. Like I know like in Back to the Future, they like dub in something else for like when they're crashing into the manure, you know, like they'll like do that type of thing where it's like yeah, dub in something else. Sometimes some movies like super bad actually filmed different takes with different words. So that way if it was ever play on TV, it's just, it doesn't mess with you in the sense of like, you can obviously tell when it's dubbed or like dropped, you know, dropped is what they, when they just dip it, you know, like uh, mute it for that one second or whatever. But yeah, so some, some places have gone, you know, above and beyond with that kind of stuff. And then there's some, where whoever is, is showing the movie makes, I don't want to say horrible choices, but like you can just like they just put weird stuff in place of it. Um, like Die Hard is is one of them. Um, Yippee Kai! Like so, like the, the perfect thing. Like where Brooklyn Nine Nine Boyle when he did his version of it would you know when he I think what he say Yippee Kai Mother Flipper or mm-hmm, something like mm-hmm. that. Like, that's something that, like, would end up on TBS or TNT yes, or something. exactly. Um, where, where they do it. Um, so, the house in Astoria, Oregon is real. That is an actual house. So, a while back, somebody owned, the, uh, somebody bought the house. And people eventually found out where the house was, and people would go to the house. Now don't know if the people who own the house knew it was the Goonies house when they bought it. So I've, I've seen different stories on that. Like some say, yes, they knew it was a house from the Goonies when they bought it. Some didn't. Now I understand it's your home and you want to have a sense of pride. 
But if you buy, to me, if you buy something and you know that's what it is, not that your privacy needs to be invaded, but you have to expect some weird things to happen. Like, uh, somebody owns the house from a Christmas story and turned it into a museum so people can visit it. Um, every, every year people will go to a story in Oregon. I think it's like the 20th and 25th anniversary of the movie. Like, uh, a story would host these like huge displays of the movie, right? 10, 20,000 people would go up there to go watch the movie in a story, right? And it's probably people my age because we're old as hell and like it means something <laughs> to us. And people would go by the house and people didn't like that people were coming by their house and wanted to go see it. But eventually someone else has now bought the house and they're trying to turn it into the same thing like a museum. So oh, cool. fans of the movie can go and see it. So hopefully maybe they can get some props, put it in there, right? They, maybe they can put like a Rube Goldberg type thing. They can kind of recreate that at the gate. You know what I'm saying? Like that would be cool for the fans who want to go see it. And then, you know, they can find a way to give, donate the money to, to various colleges. I don't know. But, um, like I said, to me, that's one of those, if you know that's the Goonies house when you buy it, like to me, it's just weird to buy it and be like, I'm closing it off to everybody else who loves it. Right, this. right. But that's just me. Like, you know, I'm sure after like, if somebody. Especially when you think you could probably make some money off of that fact. You know, Dude, uh, like the capitalist brain isn't working in people like, oh, man, we can charge like five bucks a ticket to go through. Yeah. And then whatever, we can use right? that money to buy another house and this will just be our uh, museum and then we'll have another house somewhere else. Yeah. And then like you can like, yeah, you can then you can do like screenings at the house of the Goonies and stuff like that. Like, right. right. I mean, there's so many things. you can, I don't know. But yeah, there was, there was a lot of controversy for many years about the house and mm. it is now in a better less controversial place nice uh yeah i didn't know that this was filmed in astoria till i just read that here i was thinking this was just you know so look I, i've been to a lot of the studio lots recently like i went to california and did like a wb tour i did uh, a disney studio tour and i did universal studios and you know some of that stuff uh, looks really good and you think okay like that could be a set like I thought maybe the jail thing was a set but it was like a real building that they've now turned into like their film society uh, film museum or whatever for Oregon but that kind of stuff I like I've been I, I was watching this episode of community recently where they do like these flashbacks of episodes we never saw do you remember that episode? oh with like the where they were in the raft and and Troy yes. thought you could punch the raft and they would just like poke a hole yeah. in the raft and it would skirt and there's the one yeah. where like they're building a house for habitat for humanity and it is completely blown up and stuff i've been there it's actually in the backlot tour of universal hollywood and it is just a um it is a set from the Tom Cruise film, uh, uh, the, is it by the house from psycho? It's sort of near there. Yeah. But it's like where this big airplane is laying, but it was also this house that was affected by it. And I was able to pause the video of the, um, uh, of the community and look at my photos from when I went on vacation. I was like, this is the same exact house, but it's the house. What was the, um, 
War of the Worlds or something, right? Isn't that a Tom Cruise one recently, yeah. like a remake? That was a stu- uh, another Steven Spielberg movie. So it was that location on the Universal backlot that they filmed stuff for Community, and I think the raft part was the part where they filmed Jaws in the Hollywood. Where, where, where uh, they have the Bruce, the mechanical shark, there. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes they just film these things like, and and those are like maybe a, a hundred feet away from each other. They're not like yeah. very far, but. No, I was actually amazed that this was all filmed on location. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Right. I mean, underground scenes were filmed in WB Studios, but you know, like the actual, uh, like the actual big stuff in yeah, Oregon were filmed in Oregon. Yeah. So you wanted to talk about a sequel, right? And that has been something that's been on people's minds for years. How has there never been a sequel for the Goonies? Like, especially during the 80s where they were churning sequels out left and right. Back to Future, Back to Future 2, 3, Gremlins, Gremlins 2, you know. Especially, like, I I guess there was this thing, too. Like, when we really look at sequels, there was a time when sequels had a really, like, bad run-in, right? Like, like... Jaws 2, Jaws 3, Jaws 4, where it was pretty much the same thing as Jaws 1, but just redone with a new cast, and it wouldn't even usually be the same director. It would just be, you know, a cash grab. It really kind of changed when Empire Strikes Back came out and was like actually one of those sequels that everybody was like, oh, this might be better than the first one. And then, you know, some of these movies like Back to Future, like you said, 2 and 3, like they took the sequel aspect of that and like made it different like made it a story and not just like oh let's do the same thing again but with you know the godfather the godfather part two right exact godfather as well so i i could kind of see where like if goonies 2 came out they may have like in the 80s may have messed it up and did like a whole new thing or they could have been like oh we'll just take the same cast and do another story that's i think what most people probably would have wanted to see so richard donner passed away in 2021 Mm -hmm. and that was one of the things he was asked about so many times was what happened is there ever going to be a sequel and he's talked about it many times spielberg has talked about it many times over the years Apparently, they had written a couple screenplays, they had written treatments, they had done all these different things. At one point, Warner Brothers just wasn't interested in doing a sequel. Um, It just, stuff just never got off the ground for one reason or another. And nobody could ever figure out why. Like, what was the, especially if Spielberg attached to it, like, this is Steven Spielberg. Like, if he... If he walked into it, he could walk into any place and be like, I want to make a movie about this. Who's really going to tell him no, right? But apparently people were. Um, and it just, it's so many things, and they had, like I said, they had so many screenplays and scripts that went back and forth, and they tried. Corey Feldman's been asked about it. Ewan um, Quay's been asked about it. Sean Addison's been asked about it. And a lot of them would have been up for it at various times. But one of the things that recently came about was at the Golden Globes this year, um, Iwan Kwe was asked, and he said, uh, unfortunately, because Richard Donner's passed away, his words were, he was the captain of our ship. I just don't see uh, 
us making a movie without him. And that, that was one of the big things. Like, it, people would have been up for it if he was involved. And unfortunately, he just, he never got around to making it before he passed away. I still, I, and obviously I'm not involved in the movie and I'm not one of the actors, so I don't have the feelings. I still think it could be done and I think it could work. Sean Astin is old enough to be like a dad now. Or like, how, hold on, let me, how old is Sean Astin? 52, I believe. I looked at it the other day. Okay, so he could be a young granddad or an old, an older dad. Right? At mm-hmm. 52. So, it could still work. Like, okay, maybe you have, because we're in the 2020s, maybe you have these tech bros or something that are trying to scoop up the land and turn it into vacation properties. Dude, they're trying to do something with it, right? So, once again, the areas being looked at as like people trying to buy it up. And instead of, obviously, Sean Astin probably can't do this stuff anymore, but him and his friends are still there. They have kids or grandkids or nieces and nephews, right? And maybe their nieces and nephews or kids have heard stories about this adventure that their, you know, uncles and dads and moms went on, but no one would ever really talk about it, right? And maybe there's another tale, like, because, look, one-Eyed Willie kind of came from out of nowhere. Like, obviously, it wasn't a real pirate, but uh, so you make up another pirate who might have happened to have been stealing treasure and doing piratey things, and they can have to go find, you know. So you wouldn't even need necessarily the original cast in it. It could kind of be like a legacy suit. You can have them playing the same parts maybe as an older age just to have cameos or small pieces in it maybe maybe chunk is like the chief of police now right Right. um you know mike who knows what mikey's doing uh or you know or mikey's running historical society or something mouth is doing something and, and maybe he ended up married to the girl that him couldn't get along like but there's a lot of yeah, things you yeah. could do where they could just have bits and pieces. They wouldn't have to be totally involved in it, but just enough for old people like me to be like, hey, yeah, but you can still create a new story and a new adventure with a younger set of kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I just don't know because it's one of those apparently like they don't want to ruin the legacy of the movie. So that's one of the things that's kind of stopping it right now. I always find that an interesting thing uh, because with how many sequels get made nowadays and stuff, do they really ruin the legacy of something? Like, if I don't like a sequel, a lot of times I just, like, tune it out and just say, all right, I'm only watching the first one. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't sit there and think, like, it ruins anything. Okay, maybe it doesn't ruin the legacy, but, like, okay, take RoboCop. The original RoboCop from the 80s was badass, right? Pretty awesome. I had a couple middling sequels or whatever that weren't that good. Um, but the original one was pretty pretty good. When they came out with the new one, it wasn't so good. So, especially like you can't... Like you've just killed it because you can't do anything with it going forward. So you can't make any new sequels, right? Um, it's one of those... The well, legacy, here's the, thing. the old what one they, is still there, but the for anything new. What they really got to do, Casey, is just actually take the time on these sequels and reboots. 
and not just trying to rush them out there and trying to capitalize on like, oh, this is a project we haven't touched in 20 years. If they actually made these things with love and care at times, uh, then it would be a lot easier. Uh, like, you might win some goodwill, even if it's not a financial success. It might be enough goodwill that people become another cult classic. Instead, it's like, oh, that thing sucked. I'll go back to watching the first one again. Okay, so two things. One, as right as you are, unfortunately, if it's not a financial success, like, yeah, these executives don't care. Number two, how did you feel about Indiana Jones? Which one? The newest one. When you, when you, I liked it. but what I'm saying is like when you look at it in that aspect of something that hasn't been touched, because I didn't think Crystal Skull was that bad. Me neither. Yeah, I liked. Now, in all fairness, that was the first Indiana Jones movie I had ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I've since seen Raiders of the Lost Ark and and everything else. I've seen you know Last Crusade and all those. Afterwards, it doesn't. Uh, Crystal Skull doesn't measure up to those, obviously. Right, right. But I still thought it was fairly good in its own right. But that one kind of tarnished Indiana Jones for how long? Where it took them, you know, this long to even make another one? 15 years, yeah. And so... I, th- but there's some my, pe- my point with that, though, is, like, uh, let's let's ignore Crystal Skull. Because I, that was made by the same people, so I do think they had the love of it there. But when you look at executives that just say, okay, we, we have this franchise. Uh, and, and some of them get real confusing now. Like, look, I've never seen any Terminator movie, all right? So that might be coming up sometime on here. Never seen one, right? But I do know how confusing that series can be because I know people like the first two. And then... Three they, was... They did a third one. And then now they've done like three other ones. And they're yeah, like... went well, off the rails. Yeah, and when they do those, they always say, well, we're ignoring the fourth one and we're going to make this fifth one. And then the fifth one doesn't do well. And they do the sixth one and they're like, well, we're ignoring four and five and we're doing our... And it's like... Just if then you're creating alternate timelines, time yeah. Right. If you just take your time with it, you don't have to worry about rebooting every ten years, and just like, like let's not. They're just pushing it out to keep the franchise and get it out there again, and they think it'll make easy money. And when it doesn't, they say, "Well, now we have to act like those don't exist, and we're gonna do it again." And they still rush them out at times. <laughs> it's like just. Like, get it right the first time and then worry about making a sequel to that one, you know? Look, I, I, I agree. Like I said, I think... I think, for me, this is such a beloved classic movie that you have... I mean, you have parents and grandparents and uncles and aunts and stuff who share this movie with the children in their lives, right? Now, I, who knows if the kids like it. I, I t- I'd like to believe they do, but you never know, right? But I'd, I'd like to think if they took their time, and like I said, even if it's not the same story, but I, I think that's the only way to go with it is kind of a, a story similar to what I just said where you can still have Sean Astin and Corey Feldman make an appearance or two in there to play Mouth and, and, and their parts, but pass it on to a younger generation of Goonies or, you know, doing their thing. Or it can be enough to where it can move. It can be enough to where it'll get old folks like me into the theater to watch it. 
And it could be enough to get a younger generation in to watch it as well. Yeah, I think this is actually a movie that doesn't need a sequel at this point um, because I think what you're running into when you do those and you just say, oh, here's their kids, it, it kind of runs into a... Sometimes they just kind of redo the same story beats, but with, like, you know, a newer generation yeah. of kids. And then that way they're trying to then be like, well, then then we'll make a sequel to this one uh, because we'll have these kids locked down for three film contracts or, yeah. you know, like... Uh, so I think it's fine if they, if they kind of just leave it alone. I think the best time to have done one would have been in the eighties when you get the four kids together again and do a whole nother story, uh, where they find something else. Um, it doesn't have to be pirates, you know, it could be just like another fun adventure thing. Um, but I think at this point, and even when they were talking about it, like, it looks like some of these things were as of like the, uh, you know, 2010 uh, 20 2008 you know talking about maybe getting together at that point i think they kind of missed the boat that ship has sailed yeah uh i mean okay so some of them have gotten together uh during the pandemic they did a couple of read-alongs or watch-alongs to reading the script and everything to raise money for charity and to do some various things which were well received um but yeah like i said even you know once once richard donner passed away I think that pretty much probably put the nail in the coffin. He was 91, too. I don't know if he's directing uh, Goonies 2 at age 92, you know? <laughs> well, I'm not saying. I don't know. You never know. You, you're, you're probably right, but you never know. <laughs> like. Yeah. Um, okay, was there any memes that have come from this movie? So, I, like I said, I've seen the gif of, like, the truffle shuffle. Um. The Hey You Guys, I knew from that weird, was it Regal or AMC thing? Yeah. Uh, Regal, I think it is, where they're like just shouting the movie quotes as they're all going to the theater or something. Uh, that's what I knew it from. There, there really isn't. Maybe just some stuff from Chunk or Sloth, but no, no major memes that like have stacked up to Travolta or anything like that. I will add here that I have uh, an experience with the Goonies 2012. Okay. There was a, um, there's a major league soccer team called the San Jose earthquakes. And they were that year really good. They're usually not. They were really good that year and they would win games really late or they would tie the game very late, like 90 plus minute scoring at a crazy goal. And they called themselves the Goonies because they would always say, like, Goonies never say die. Uh, So they were that's what they were known as in 2012. So I kind of have experience with the film through that, but not like I'd never seen it. But I knew what they were referring to. But uh, that's like the only thing close to a meme that I could think of, uh, even though it's not a meme. But like it was something that was in the, you know, the soccer sphere when I was following along with it. Um, But yeah. Um ratings you want to you want to give me your rating on this Let you go so first. like i said this is one of my all-time favorite movies i've watched this as a kid teenager an adult i've watched this more times than i can count um when i watched it this morning as we're recording this i had a smile on my face the entire time when i watched the goonies are good enough video from cindy lauper 
I had a smile on my face the entire time. For me, this is a five-star movie. This is one of those that I may not watch it a ton, but I can watch, like, I may get in a weird mood and be like, oh, I want to watch The Goonies today, and I can just pop it in, and it's great. And it just, like I said, it could just be nostalgia, and I'm willing to admit that, but for me, it, it's, it's, it's a classic. I rated this one. I've been rating them all on Letterbox. It's out of five stars. Um, I haven't put Airplane in the playlist, like my list that I have, just because I'd already seen it. So my list I'm going to make is only for my first viewings on these. Ooh, okay. And so Pulp Fiction was a one. Right. One or one and a half. I think it was one. Goonies I have as three and a half stars out of five. I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, it's it is dated at times, right? Uh, but so I think you know, kid me probably would have loved this a lot. Um, adult me, I really, I really did enjoy it. I thought the music was great. I thought the kids had this dynamic that was fun. Um, uh, I didn't really care for the Fratellis that much, and I think that's kind of what dragged it down a little bit for me. Um, but. Yeah, it's three three and a half out of five stars. So this is the first time I'm uh, rating something very positively on the podcast. It, it hits different. <laughs> and now I have to make my pick, and I've been going through this all day, uh, really back and forth all weekend. I have a few thoughts here, right? So I could go with another classic, another classic 80s movie to kind of keep in with our theme this week. Or I can continue with Sean Astin, and we can talk about a Sean Astin trilogy that you haven't seen. Or I'm getting ready to talk some Star Wars when Ahsoka comes out. I might be leaning Rogue One here, uh, which I saw you haven't seen. So I'm kind of like in this, like... Uh, and then I also have another comedy that's kind of like uh, Airplane, but with Weird Al. So I'm like playing four in my mind right now, and I'm debating which one I'm going to go with. But I think I'm going to end up going with... Let's go uh, Star Wars Rogue One. Rogue One. Rogue One? There is no Rogue One. Well, there is now. Okay. Disney Plus... For people that don't know, I'm going to set it up for you here. It takes place right before Episode 4, A New Hope. So, uh, just going in knowing that, that's all you really need to know. Uh, it's a pretty good standalone film, too. If you haven't seen any Star Wars, I would say you could probably watch this no problem. Um, yeah, definitely. I know people that have probably only seen this when it first came out and then went back and watched them. So, I'll go ahead and set us up with Star Wars Rogue One. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's actually called Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, but there you go. <laughs> uh came out 2016, December. Um, I saw it in theaters a couple times, and I really enjoy it. So I'm going to see. Uh, I think we'll go more modern this week because we've been all in the past. So this week I'm going to go modern, and then maybe I'll go back to the past uh, for the next ones. Uh, any any thoughts on that pick, Casey, before we wrap it up here? No, uh, this is one of those that I actually own and I haven't watched, which I don't know why I do that, but I do. I do it too. Uh, I buy movies cheap at times and I haven't watched them. 
it's been something that's been on my radar. I've been meaning to watch it. I just never, I don't know, never had the thought. I just be like, oh, let me let me put. Maybe it's because of where it falls in the in the timeline. Mm-hmm. So it's like after three, right before four, and it's one of those like if I if I'm gonna do that, I might want to do like a Star Wars marathon, like I did with right, my right. Marvel with the uh, Infinity Saga. But like now, that's I mean, it's not as much as me. That's nine. Hold on, that's three, six, nine. It's at least ten movies I'd have to watch. Uh, yeah, eleven. What's the uh, what's the other one? Solo. Uh, yeah, so I'd have to watch, which I own that one too. But I have to watch eleven <laughs> movies, and then I got to figure out the, the weird thing with that is, I figure out what order do I want to watch them. Do I want to watch them yeah. in release order or chronological? Do I want to or... watch them in chronological <laughs> order? Machete um, order, which some people do with Star Wars. Yeah, is that because that one's like four, five, four, five, one, two, three, six. Yeah. It's to preserve so, the Darth Vader reveal in five for first time viewers. It's pretty much all it is. But so, pop culture, you pretty much know who Vader is. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I've seen a good number of them. I know who Darth Vader is. So it's yeah, not yeah. a big deal. But, but like I said, it's like, you know, with the Infinity Saga, I could have went chronological, but that would have been too much. And it was just easier to put the disc, grab the disc as they, you know, for the order of the, when they were released. Yeah, and just yeah. go from it, and it was great. But like I said, if I'm gonna do a Star Wars one, I got to make that decision. That's a lot to weigh. And then, yeah, and for for people that like Rogue One, if you end up watching it next week and you really dig it, uh, there is, um, a Disney Plus show now called Andor that spins off of one of the characters, and um, it is, uh, really great. Like we're talking about. It is high budget, high quality. Like, it's amazing. Twelve episodes, first season. It's it's fantastic, and it's going to wrap up with a season two. But, um, so if anybody really digs the vibe of of Rogue One, definitely. If you want, if you're like, oh, but I don't like like traditional Star Wars, but I liked Rogue One. Andor is like the the next step you would take on that. But yeah, so I'm excited to get your thoughts on it. Um. I would say you don't have to watch any of those in an order if you don't want. <laughs> you just well, no, I'm right saying like that's if I was going to do yeah, a Star yeah. Wars marathon like that. Like, okay, like, but I do like chronological do this, do right. for people that haven't, for people that haven't seen, or even people that have seen and you want to watch them all. I think chronological is really fun. I'm actually wearing my Rogue One shirt today too, so that kind of put me on the tipping point of I think I'm leaning that movie today. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we'll be back next week. We will talk Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Like I said, it's on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Casey, in his wisdom, has already purchased it, so he will just watch it on his disc, I assume. <laughs> and uh, we'll catch you next week with, with some Star Wars. <laughs>